Since I first heard it, I have always been intrigued, challenged, inspired by the question, how can I be a good ancestor? How can I be a good ancestor? Part of the answer clearly overlaps with the question, how can I be a good person in the here and now? Well, I can do my best to respond to other people and to the world with compassion. I can do my best to practice justice, to act with integrity and humility, to listen deeply and speak truthfully. All of those things that show up in our covenant and mission and principles, all of those things that remind me of my highest aspirations. But to ask not only how can I be a good person, but how can I be a good ancestor, allows me to see it from another perspective, namely from that time when I will no longer be here. It carries the humility embedded in the explicit recognition of my own mortality and allows me to ask not only what matters, but also what will matter. As we have explored this month's theme of holding history, I have thought about the fact that we are now living through a piece of history that future generations will be holding. What will it look like to them? Where will they gather information about what it was like to live through this period? What would we like them to know? Scott Taylor says, memory invites us to maintain our grip on the past, but it also calls us to pay attention to who we are in the present. Memory's question is not just, do you remember, but how do you want to be remembered? And I would say in that sense, memory is not only concerned with the past and the present, but with the future. That future in which, for a while, among a small group of people, I will be remembered. How do I want to be remembered? And what is it I would invite people to remember if I had the chance to extend that invitation? And even more than it being about me in particular, what can I pass along about how it felt for me to live in this time and place? What can I offer to history in the broadest sense of the word? Leah Morris saying, be a part of our history. We need your stories. It is about legacy, right? What will I leave behind? Many times we hear that word legacy in terms of planned giving. We have had a particularly stunning example of that with the gift received by this congregation from the estate of Laura Maureen Smith. It makes me think of the words of Reverend Peter Rabel. We build on foundations we did not lay. We sit in the shade of trees we did not plant. We drink from wells we did not dig. We profit from persons we did not know. We are ever bound in community. That kind of legacy giving increases our capacity and opens new possibilities in pursuing our mission 
possibilities we will be exploring together over the coming weeks and months and years, seeking to be faithful stewards of the resources that have come into our care. That is one form of legacy, one way of being a good ancestor, and it is important and appreciated. And there is another kind of legacy I wish to focus on today, our stories. Not only what happened in a sweeping biographical sort of way, but what happened in a small, this is what I noticed kind of way. As I think about my own understanding of history, I often gravitate toward those stories of everyday people and what mattered to them, which may not always align with what matters most to historians. What was it like to live through any specific event or circumstance? What did people feel? What sorts of details could be passed along by individuals that may get lost in the grander narrative of world events. Our stories are an important gift to future generations. They are a piece of what it means to be a good ancestor. They can live on in a way that we, mortal beings, cannot. And by stories, Again, I don't necessarily mean finely crafted narratives with beginnings, middles, and endings, or lessons in the guise of stories that carry a particular message or moral, but just to say, this is what I noticed. This is how it made me feel. This is what came to me in that time and place. Burton Carley writes, I do not know if the seasons remember their history or if the oak tree remembers its planting. I do not know if the squirrel remembers last fall's gathering or if the night remembers the moon. Perhaps that is the reason for our births, to be the memory of creation. Perhaps salvation is something very different than anyone ever expected. Perhaps this will be the only question we will have to answer. What can you tell me about November? Actually, he wrote, what can you tell me about September? But I changed that for this November service. <laughs> the message still holds. Annie Dillard writes in a reading from our hymnal, we are here to abet creation and to witness to it to notice each other's beautiful face and complex nature so that creation need not play to an empty house. One of our superpowers as humans is to witness, to notice, to remember, whatever you call that awareness that allows us to take in what is happening to us and around us. And a companion superpower is the ability to communicate what it is that we notice. That is huge. To notice and to pass it on. And when I hear what other people have noticed, witnessed, experienced, I am often inspired to a new level of awareness, to not simply sleepwalk through life doing things, but to bear witness to the life I am living, or the life that is living me. 
And so I invited you all over the past weeks through the weekly news, which I am sure you are all reading. I invited you all to send me your reflections on what would you like to share with those future generations about your experience in this time. Recognizing that we are living through a piece of history that future generations will explore and study and strive to understand what are the pieces of our own experience we would like to put in that time capsule that a future generation will notice. Paraphrasing Burton Carley, I asked, what can you tell me about the pandemic? And a huge thank you to all who responded. I ask you now to simply listen as I read those responses and to notice what reflections may be sparked within you. About a month into shelter at home, with our two young adult children back at home, I started recording some highlights of this strange time. Here are a few. Making fresh pasta together, music blasting. Lots of jigsaw puzzles. Online dance parties. Learning to sew face masks with spare swatches of fabric. Early Zoom meetings. Dropped service. You're on mute. Zoom bombed. trying to recreate spring break for our college junior with tropical drinks, sprinklers, and a floaty in the hot tub. Quiet reflection as people got sick or worse. Walking with others in the empty streets to stay six feet apart. Eight o'clock, Howl. Bundling up in camp chairs to sit outside with friends. Ordering takeout to support local businesses. Checking on others. Having others check on us. I had to learn to date online. It did help me to open up and get out of myself more so that I could meet others. I am happily still dating a man that I met online today. Two people said, we actually enjoy being online for school. We both identify as introverts and like the fact that we didn't have peers talking to us all the time. I remember when the pandemic hit and we were in lockdown that I only left our canyon to go to the grocery store once a week and I was feeding six people all day long. My grocery bill was outrageous, but my gas bill was non-existent. Also, we set up our fire pit in our backyard with chairs separated on two sides so we could have our neighbors over to be together and still be apart. 
If I were to speak to future generations about how I see today's world, I would state that we came close to the end as humans, in part because of our desire to not deal directly with our responsibility to each other and all life. Fortunately, nature is very forgiving, and love supports growth and creativity. I noticed in the early days of mask wearing that people really can smile with their eyes. It felt like my eyes met with others more often than before this all started. What would you share? What will you share about this time? That reading from Peter Rabel that I quoted from earlier goes on to say, We are ever bound in community. May it always be so. That is as it should be. Yes, we are ever bound in community, and that community can spread not only over great distances, but also across time. We not only build on foundations we did not lay and warm ourselves by fires we did not light and sit in the shade of trees we did not plant and drink from wells we did not dig and profit from persons we did not know, but we also participate in stories that began long before we were born and that will continue on long after we die, but we are participants We are characters. We are here to abet creation and witness to it. We are here to enliven these chapters of history with our compassionate presence and to pass along the bits of what we notice to future generations that will hold this history. Peter Rabel says, together we are more than any one person could be. Together we can build across the generations. Together we can renew our hope and faith in the life that is yet to unfold. Together can heed the call to a ministry of care and justice. We are ever bound in community. May it always be so. May it always be so.